It's Off Exit 10, presented by Capital District Sport and Fitness. you back in we say 27 2017 2017 2017 before we before we opened the gym um so we have link bigelow on today everybody um he's a partner in colorize um a paint storage now has three locations locations. in the capital district um yeah so i first walked into your store and so my dad owned a painting company so when we went to open up the gym he's all about what colors are we going to use what are we going to use and then where are we going to go um, and I think he knew Mike from yeah, from yeah. somewhere in the past, and I walked in, and sometimes you just feel like you're on the same I don't know frequency with people when yeah, I chatted with sure. when I chatted with you. So yeah, man, it's it's energy. First of all, thanks thanks for having me. Um, cool what you guys are doing here. And uh, second of all, it's hard to believe that was five years ago. You know, it's wild. A lot has happened. We, we've been through a lot of things in those last five years. You know, that's yeah, that's an understatement. I, I was just gonna say that. I'm like. <laughs> It's definitely an understatement. Five years has been a lot. I mean, just in the last two years, we've gone through a crazy amount of things. Yeah, yeah. well, you, you open a business and you're like, bring on the challenges. That's why you're doing it. You, you need that, that right. competition and that challenge in your life, but you just, you don't foresee a, a pandemic hitting you. No, no, and I think you, you plan for a lot of things, but who plans for the, the entire world to stop? Right. You know, and, and uh, you learn a lot of lessons from that, and honestly, at this point, two years later, I, I think there's, you know, I look at it as, as a blessing. Like, there's been a lot of things that, that in my own life, I just, I appreciate what we've had to go through um, in a lot of different ways. So, you know, we can get into all that if, if you want, but. Yeah, yeah, I think I want to start a little bit just about <clears throat> your background and what brought you to where you're at today, to, to helping and becoming a partner and opening Color Eyes and yeah. growing to yep. three locations, yep. and just kind of your drive and background that brought you there, because. Before that, you worked a more corporate. It was, it was corporate America, yeah. So um, previously, I worked for the largest paint company in the world, um, and there was a lot to be to be gained there. Um, obviously, their culture, their training, all those things. I was there for about 12 years. It's actually where I met Mike and Donnie, who who founded Colorize. Um, and when we started, they used to let you run it like it was yours. So if you had a territory or a store, as long as you were taking care of your customers and things were going the right way. Um, you know, they kind of left you alone. Over that decade plus, uh, they went from like 2,000 locations to, to 5,000, stock price through the roof. Like the entire culture changed where now all of a sudden they were playing a, you know, in my opinion, a stock price game instead of a people game. And the game I'm good at and the game that we learned was the people game. So um, I met Mike probably 10 years, uh, 10 years ago or so. And so he actually called me, weird how the universe aligns, but I was, uh, we used to talk every, every Friday after I gave him this book called The Compound Effect. Um, I gave it to him at a national sales meeting. And I was like, you should read this. It's just kind of one of those deals where it's an aha moment for me where it's like all these things that you think are happening to you, like they're all your fault. Everything's your responsibility. And when you start to look at everything through that perspective, everything looks different. And so I brought it to him at a sales meeting, and I, I can't remember, it was a few months later. Um, we'd literally been talking every Friday, like holding each other accountable to stuff. What are you working on? How's it going? And all of a sudden, he went quiet for like four or five, six weeks. And I didn't know what he was up to. I didn't know what was going on. And out of nowhere, 
he um, he's like, hey, if if I'm not at Sherwin, like we got to keep this up. And I'm like, I don't know, like I don't know you other than Sherwin. I don't know what that means. And so we went a couple more weeks without hearing from him. And my wife was pregnant at the time. And this is what I mean about the universal lining. My wife went into labor. I'm driving her to the hospital. And I get a text from Mike. And I hadn't heard from him for weeks. And he said, I'm leaving Sherwin and I'm opening a paint store. And I'm like, at a red light. I don't even know why I stopped. But I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm a little busy at the moment. Like, I'll get back to you. And my son was born 24 hours later. When everything settled and everything was done, I texted him back and I'm like, as your friend, I wish you the best. As your competitor, I hope you don't sell a gallon of paint. And, <laughs> and that was kind of it for the, for the moment. Um, summer came and went, like that's a busy time for all of us. They were getting this thing you know, started and figured out and I was um, you know, working hard at the location I was running. And then he started like chipping at me with like, would you ever consider this or would you ever consider that? And finally I was like, look man, like, if I'm gonna bounce on what I'm doing, what are you doing and what do you need? Like I knew it was just the two of them and if it was gonna grow into what I knew they were capable of turning it into, they weren't doing it by themselves. Um, so I was honored that I was on the, on the short list of people that, that he was interested in calling, uh, considering that you know with all the positions he'd been in in his, I think him and Donnie were both 20 plus years, give or take, at Sherwin. So to think that they would reach out to me was an honor um, and it didn't really take much convincing for me, it was more trying to get my wife who, who grew up in Maine to think she was leaving for mm. upstate New York. Um, and, and here we are five years later and everything's, everything's awesome, dude. Everything's no regrets. That's awesome. Did you always feel like when you were at Sherwin, like you wanted more, you needed to do yeah. more? Yeah. Like I was always, so I was one of those guys that was like, I, I was good at the job. I got results because if I'm going to do it, that's how I'm going to approach it. Um, but the whole corporate thing never sat well with me and at the time I didn't even realize it I was always like looking for something else you know like but really it was just going to be trading one thing for another like I went and applied for Hertz and I passed everything and, and they offered me the job and I'm like it's the difference between a can of paint and running a car like that's not it you know I had a buddy selling washing machines like I was looking at all these different things and actually Mike was there for a couple of them he was my sales manager and he's like what are you doing man like you're not that's not it um, he's like don't leave unless it's something worth leaving for and that came up 10 years later when I'm like, I thought you said not to leave. He's like, no, I told you not to leave unless it's worthwhile. And, you know, here we are. This is, this is worthwhile. So I always had that tugging at me. And I just always had a connection with, with Mike, you know, in particular, even when he went from Maine to Manhattan to Connecticut, like we just always stayed in contact. You know, I had a lot of respect for, for his business acumen and the kind of guy he was. So. Yeah, it's sounds, like, yeah, sounds familiar. That's important. I was going to say that's like that's like Dan Jones, my business partner, yeah. and myself. So we went to college together at Springfield College in Western Mass, and we yeah. played baseball together. We're the only two dudes on the team from upstate New York, so we yeah. kind of connected on that. Um, and we're close in college, but never, you know, we stayed in touch over the years, but weren't like the best of friends, sure. um, but knew we were in the same industry, knew we had the same, like, passions and goals and always touch base about that. Hey, what are you learning right now? What are you doing with clients? Um, yeah, so when the time was right, it's like with you and Mike, I hit him up yeah. and, and say, hey, are we gonna do this? Here's what I'm thinking and, and we roll from there. And I mean, even that tra trickles all the way down to when you reached out to me. Same thing. Like, same thing. Mike and I went to high school together, Yeah. but we took different paths to eventually where we are now we always stayed in contact like there was always here and there like yeah, every couple months or whatever what are you doing what's going on how i ended up here for the soft opening 
and everything. And it's just like over the course of time, like you said, everything kind of the universal lines and works sure. out for a reason. You brought up like blessings from like with COVID and like that's how I viewed a lot of things that happened for me was like blessings in disguise. And yeah, for sure. that's how you kind of have to take those things when no, like you said, nobody prepares for the whole world to shut down like no you prepare for the you prepare for a lot of things that's definitely not something you prepare for so you know coming out of that the way you got you are now and the way we have and everything it it shows a lot of of similarities i feel like even in two completely different businesses sure well i think that's why we connected you know those years ago i mean if we're being honest i met you then we've stayed in contact through you know online Mm -hmm. but i don't think i've seen you in years face to face and and i think there's something about like energy you know what I mean? You can feel energy when you're around certain types of people. Um, and I don't know if, if you want to call it God, you want to call it the universe, whatever your thing is. Like, I believe that things happen in our lives to, you know, cues in our life that are trying to kind of like get you to pay attention to something or steer you in a certain direction. And if you listen, if you're still enough to listen, um, you're going to move in the right direction. If you're not still enough to listen and you're just pounding your head in the wrong direction and you're doing something that, that you shouldn't be, it's going to continue to be rough on you until you pay attention. You know, that's sort of the experiences I've had, you know, over the last five years, certainly. But just when I look back over my entire life, that seems to be the theme. Yeah, you got to be still enough to like slow down, to slow yeah. down, but to know the right people to connect with. And that's right. and that's from being able to read their energy, know what their intentions are, you know, right. know that they're. They could be different from you, but like-minded in the sense of just how they go about their life and treat other people and, right. and their goal and process-oriented. Exactly. Yep. It's like, because you go the other way. We were talking about before. It's like you could have, what'd you say? You could have a hangover from talking, talking to somebody. Talking yeah, to, yeah we were talking about energy. Like, I don't care if it's alcohol. I don't care if it's activity, actions you're taking, or people. Like, it's either going to create positive energy in your life or it's going to drain you like if if i hang out with you and it gives me a hangover like we're done like i'm just i i have to and we all have to eradicate that kind of thing from our lives if we're goal 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 oriented if we're focused if we want certain things out of life like you just got to roll that way right and if you don't that's cool like i have no issues with anybody living however they want to Mm -hmm. but if if you actually say that you give a shit you have to roll that way or you know, you're full of shit, really, you know? Like, the, there's two things that drive me fucking crazy the most when I sit down to talk to somebody. If they go to one or two places or one or two directions, if they start complaining mm-hmm. or if they start gossiping. Yeah. Just like, I don't... Nobody's got time for any of that. No, I just spent 80 hours talking to people all week. Yeah. I don't want to spend my free yeah. time in those two realms. Right. But also, like, you don't want to not have empathy, right? Right, so, right. So... To me, it's like, if you're going to come to me with a problem, I want to be somebody that's approachable, especially as a leader. Like, this is your business. If you're just like, tough shit, quit whining about it, get back to work. Like, honestly, that's that's corporate culture. You want to tie corporate and small business together. Like, that's like, just show me the numbers kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you come to me the first time with the problem and we talk about it, like, you better act on it from there. If right. you come to me again in two days and we're talking about the same thing, like at some point I'm wasting my time pouring into you when you're not paying attention, when you're not willing to do your part to meet me in helping you. Right. And, and I think um, there's an epidemic of that in, in society and I think it kind of filters itself into so many things that we see, um, you know, in, 
and it, however anybody wants to feel about society, like there's a lot of things that come down to personal responsibility and taking ownership of helping yourself. Right. Why am I going to help you if you're not going to help yourself? Exactly. And that's, you know? that's kind of what you were just saying is like how I view it. Like, yes, you can come to me with a complaint about something and I'm going to be a listening ear. But if you come to me a week later with the same yeah. problem and you haven't done anything, right. like if you come with the same problem and I can tell things are getting better. Sure. Great. Yeah. Awesome. You're doing something like right. that's fine. But like, if I can tell you're in the state, you haven't done a damn thing to yeah. make it better. Like, why am I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to listen to it. And I've said right. it to people before, like, I don't want to hear you complain about right. that because you've literally been complaining about that for a month. Right. Like, like at what point is that just drama? Right. Like right. at what point like, are you just letting that just be there for yeah. no reason? Right. Like, is that your identity? Is that what you want to be? Is that who you want to be? Right. right. And like you said, there, there's a difference between like having an empathetic ear and then just like right. feeding into the drama. Yeah. And there's a fine line. Cause right. I, I find like, I love being around people that are geared to win, you know, like I, it's probably not. It's probably tough to follow up saying I, I try to be empathetic with what I'm about to say, but like there's a there's one of the guys at work, and I'm always telling him when he's pointing things out. I'm like, losers do loser shit, mm -hmm. and and he it's like let them be who they're gonna be. They're gonna show you who they are, mm -hmm. and and winners do winner shit, right? Like so, being aware of that and understanding like in a, in enough time, people are gonna show you who they are, and then it's your job to align your energy with with whatever energy you need. Right. You know, otherwise you're going to end up with that hangover we're talking about. You know what I mean? You're around the wrong people. You're not going to get any of the results you're looking for. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then what? You know? Yeah. That's real with friends. And that's like even more real with small business because like, listen, the margin for error is much smaller, right? Yeah, like your, sure. your, your cash flow isn't as much as these big corporations. Right. It's, you got to make sure that your people are in the right places. So like when you started with, with Mike and Don, like how... I was talking to the novice guys last week about this, but how much did you talk about structure and your roles in the beginning or how much did things just kind of play out and fall into place as you went? Um, honestly, like we made, I wish this was a different answer. I wish it was going to sound better than this. Like we made a lot of it up as we went along. Mm -hmm. So we all, the reason it worked early on, especially is because we all were on the same page. So there was, we didn't have to talk about like, what's our take on customer service? What's our culture? Like basically, when we opened the doors, we were going to say yes to everything. And then we were going to work our faces off to figure it out. And um, over time, because it started with the four of us there, and that's just how we rolled, as people showed up, there wasn't a lot of conversation. And I think there reaches a point in business where, like, you do have to start to implement core values. You do have to, like, because you're not there and, and involved in every decision. Mm -hmm. But early on, when it's that small, that's almost going to bog you down and slow you down. So all we did was show up, unlock the door every morning and go like hell until it was time to close. And it just, customers were drawn to us because of our energy, because we were different than the, than the box stores and the corporations, because we gave a shit. Like we would, we would drive a quart of paint from Clifton Park to Del Mar. And you're like, that's a losing transaction, which is true. Like we lost money on that sale, but we were playing a much longer game knowing putting the four of us in one store, like we couldn't afford to do that to begin with. So we knew there had to be a second store. Right. We knew there had to be a third store. And by kind of making us top heavy, it forced us to just run like hell um, and build it, you know, as we go. Yeah, it's like similar to here. Like I could have went into this by myself and rented out a thousand square feet and yeah. tried to make it work. 
But it's like, how long would that have taken me to make it what it is today if I didn't bring in Dan right away right. with his skill set and his network and his brain and his eyes to also see things, to almost be top right. heavy up front. But no, all right, we got to work our ass off yeah, now to get there. So we could get to right. we could get to the start line, and yeah. then we could go. Right. And it's also having that second or third or fourth pair of eyes and brains on it, where okay, you have something that pops in your head that's an idea, and that person goes, "No, that's fucking stupid." Yeah, exactly. Like, don't do that. Right. Like, well, well, and also you know, like what you have to know what you want in your business. Like if you want to just be a trainer and you just want a thousand square feet and you want x amount of clients and you want to be left alone you can kind of do with that that would have been fine right but if you have a bigger vision and you want to impact more people and you want to bring more people onto the ride like i think the mistake a lot of us a lot of us make in, in various aspects of our lives is that we we're waiting for that perfect time like i'm not ready i'm not ready i'm not ready mm-hmm. right like if you're waiting to be ready to have a kid you're never going to have a kid you have one kid and then you're having a conversation with your wife and you're like are we ready for a second? We're like, no, fuck no, we're not. Right. But the once the along. kid's here, we will have to figure it out. And that's the approach we've taken in the business is I don't think, and I'd have to ask Mike, but I don't think we've said no to anything yet. You know, like we, we opened the first one at the end of 16. Um, we had a really good 2017. The next one was open in the spring of 2018. The next one was open in the spring of 2019. And then we would have kept going if, you know, there wasn't the major hiccup that was kind of just like, all right, let's focus on on these three. Let's really get these where they need to go. And now we're feeling confident enough to start looking at, you know, what's next at this point. So Right. Yeah, the yes thing's big. I get, you know, people get frustrated with me because I'm such a yes guy. Yeah. But it's weird because in my personal life, I'm such a no guy. But in business, I'm such a yes guy. Are you like that? Or are you a yes guy everywhere? Yeah. Well, I guess what do you mean when you're a no guy? In personal life, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not one to. I'll say no to going out. I'm not yeah. good at staying in touch with friends. Yeah. It, it's that's one of my biggest flaws. I yeah. like put a lot in this business hat, like, and it, yep. it's it's shown, and this place has grown, sure. yeah. and I'm and I'm happy here. But it definitely, it pulls a lot out of my personal life, and it hasn't. Yeah. You know, just the yeah. past ten years since I left college. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably common. I mean, um. When I first got here, like like I told you before we started recording, Jay was 10 months old. He's going to be six next month. So like to have a 10-month-old and a business that's three months old at the same time, like I didn't have time for, for anybody. Um, and it's been a sprint this entire time. Now I'm at the point where I realized last fall, I'm like, listen, I, got, I have great people around me at home. I have great people around me at work, but I'm a transplant. Like I came from Maine. I'm missing like some camaraderie. I don't have that that personal thing um, outside. I'm running a rut between home and work, and that's it. And so, um, you know, I spent some time thinking about it, and then what really kind of sprung us is my wife went through some things at the end of last year, and she ended up finding a mom group, and then we ended up starting to go to church, and like all of a sudden there was some community of, of really good people that I was stoked to have my kids around. Then my son started jujitsu in January, and now all of a sudden, like people that put themselves in that position to to go through jujitsu yeah. are, are a certain kind of person. Mm-hmm. And I found out really quickly, like I like those people. So I started jujitsu like a month ago. I've been to a handful of classes, and it's something I'm digging. So I was very much a no person, and there are certain things back to energy that I won't do. Mm-hmm. But I do think like 
continuing to push yourself into those yeses. Like I've never been into combat sports. I've never been a wrestler. Like right. I was a stick and ball sport guy. So now I'm out here like getting my ass kicked by these guys. And it's like, I'm going to be 40 this year. And it makes me feel like I'm still willing to put myself in those positions. Right. I just value that. Right. Know? Would you play growing up baseball guy? Um, I played baseball as a kid, but then, um, I ended up, I was football, basketball and, and track and field. Okay. Yep. Those three things. How much of an impact did that play on you going into the workforce yep. and then you, you know, taking your career where it's at right now? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, it's interesting because I think a lot of the things that you learn in sports and, and you're learning them as a kid, so you don't even realize you're learning them. You're just playing, right? Um, I think there's so much value in that. And I think, honestly, I lost, and I don't regret any of this, but I lost, like when I got to college, I played three years of college basketball, and then for disagreements with my coach, I didn't play my, my senior year. And then from then, like I just kind of started hanging out. And then I took a job because I had some painting background, I had a business degree, like this made sense. And then I fell into to corporate America where, um, again, no disrespect to corporate America. I know it feeds a lot of people and, and it's for a lot of people, that's great. Um, but for me, it just put me kind of in this trance where like, oh shit, it's Monday. I'm gonna go sell some paint. Right. And I did that for a decade. And, I, and, and so I lost touch with a lot of the things that I learned as a kid playing sports. I was still competitive, I still wanted to put up numbers, but I didn't really give a shit about it that much, you know? So when I jumped over the counter to, to entrepreneurship, um, it pulled a lot of that back out of me. Like as a kid, you have, you know, your mindset that's cultivated through sports. Your physical health is every day you have to show up and sweat, right? Like all of these elements of your life that are so important forever are just drilled into you by your coach. You don't even have a choice. Get on the line and run until mm -hmm. I tell you to stop. Like, okay, yeah. you know, so mm -hmm. I pull on a lot of that stuff now because how many times a week do you come here and you don't really feel like it? Right. Right. How many workouts did you do this week that you weren't really that into? Mm -hmm. Like most of them. If we're being honest, everybody's like, yeah. oh my God, you know, Mike is just so uh, motivated. Like motivation's bullshit, really. Like it'll get you started, but yeah, routine's what right? keeps you going. Yeah, yeah. Um, and discipline. Like routine routine's dis great. It's discipline. Routine, discipline, and discipline, routine. And I was talking to a high school kid today who was bitching about having to work tonight or tomorrow night. Yeah, I said, listen, you're not gonna want to do it. I said, but it's like in the gym when you're doing like a lot of work, you're building up your capacity so that you're gonna be able to handle more later on in life when right. it's hard. Right. I said, think about work like that. Like you're gonna put in a late night, yep. you're gonna work a bunch of hours, you don't wanna be there, but now you've just built your capacity for working. And, and you're doing... gonna feel good when yeah. you're done. For sure, yeah. and then next time that comes, it won't be as bad. Right. And then yeah. you build up your capacity sure. even more. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, when you program a workout, right, and you're 90% of the way through it, whether you're doing the workout or your client's doing the workout, how often are you like, all right, we were gonna do 10, but we did nine, like, that's good. Like, do you do that? Or do you finish? You finish, unless somebody has an injury, they're rehabbing, that's different. Right. Let's put that exactly. aside. No, right. you, fu you fucking you finish. Fucking finish. Yeah. And, and my point is, and this is how I look at it, like, you have a calendar in your life, and if you don't, you should. 
you know, piece of advice, get a calendar and use it. Because what we do, what everybody does, is if you're sitting down on your couch comfortably on a Sunday afternoon planning your week, everything sounds really good. I'm gonna work out five times, I'm only gonna eat chicken and rice, like everything is like so easy because you're sitting on your ass on your couch. Mm -hmm. So it goes on your calendar with no problems. And then the alarm goes off at five o'clock on Tuesday and you're like, oh God, like you I don't, don't wanna go to the gym. And now you're negotiating yourself in the time of action. So all my negotiations exist when I'm creating my calendar and then when it's time to go, like I'm done talking to myself. It said at 5 a.m. I'm in the garage doing this workout, doing these sets, like that's it, mm -hmm. I'm doing it. And so if you can put that into every facet of your life, like it, it takes the, the thoughts and the decisions out of it. Like discipline actually sets you free. It's not restraining you like, like is the popular belief. It right. sets you free to stop thinking about everything and just do what is going to take you towards what you want to be. But it's so hard at first. It yeah. is. Well, and it's, just well it's so hard forever, really. Right. Like, right. It, it never gets easy, but it gets routine. It gets, that's, you get callous to it is what it, it is, uh, right? Like the first time you put two 45 pound plates on the bar, like it's not easy. No. You just get stronger. You get more callous to it over time. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, and that's like, I had a, a client in New York and I was talking to her and I, you know, I asked her, I was like, How, how's the workouts going? Like, da, da, da. and I do online with her. Um, and she was like, well, you know, they're going great, but it just doesn't feel like it's getting any easier. And I'm like, well, that's because I make it harder before yeah. it gets easy. I'm like, I, she's an older client. And I was like, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. And when I said that, she was like, that makes so much sense. Cause she's like, you know, she's in her, she, I think she just turned 70. Yeah. So she's like, I have so many friends that don't do this stuff. And I, I was can't. like, yeah, because it's, it's hard. Yeah. But you want to keep doing it because you see the benefit of it. Right. You, it's part of your routine. You're yeah. disciplined, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, back to like when you're writing in, out a schedule, like it seems overwhelming. Sure. When you do it. Because I've done it. And at times, like I've been in that situation where like I made my whole schedule for the week. It sounded great. Da, 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 and then I'm like, snooze. Yeah. Snooze. Snooze. Yeah. And it just, you know, everybody does it. But, but that's then, negotiation. Right. But then you get into that pattern of like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what right. I'm doing. And like. For me, I tried to make it, originally I feel like, and this didn't work for me when I tried it, I tried to make every day exactly the same. Didn't work for me, yeah, right? Right. But now because of one, the way my schedule is here at the gym and the way my schedule is outside of here with my online clients, like each day is a little bit different, but I know, okay, I'm gonna wake up Monday at this time, I'm gonna do this, then I'm gonna go to the gym, yep. and I'm gonna do this at the gym if I have time. Obviously, if we get people signed in in the morning, it's different. Then Tuesday, I'm going to do this, Wednesday, this. So, like, I have, like, an, a, a routine and a schedule that I know, and it's in my phone. Yeah. I know exactly what I'm going to For do. Sure. And I have certain hours of the day yeah. that are that are free yep. so that I can, you know, if I feel like I need to, you know, just <clears throat> chill for an hour because yeah. I'm grinding to the bone, like, I yeah. do that. And I, you got to schedule that. Like, yeah. the whole concept of, like, just grind, just grind. Like, what what is that either? You know what I mean? I think um, – We've talked about this. Yeah. Okay. Mike and I have talked about this before. It's not, um, it's not sustainable. Like the idea of balance is bullshit. The idea of grinding forever, working 80 hours. Like, again, what kind of life do you want? Like, if that's your deal, cool. But what do you actually want? And I think most of us get lost there. Mm -hmm. Like, do you want what you think you saw somebody else have? Do you want, like, what is it? Well, what now, do you actually want? And now with social media, that yep. gets 
right. way fucking harder. You're Especially, always losing if you go on social media. 100%. You're never where you should be. Mm -hmm. You know? You can't help but compare yourself to others. And that's yeah. a dangerous path sure. to go down. Yeah. Yeah. We struggle with it every day with athletes and even adults in here, but, yeah. you know, especially with the young athletes in here, mm -hmm. you know, we grew up, you grew up, you couldn't see right. John Smith in California. Yeah. Right. right. You saw the guy that you were playing against. You're like, yeah. I'm going to, we're going to beat yeah. that. That's sure. it. Well, and the thing that's unfortunate is you, even now they only see his highlight reel. Right. They don't see like, Oh great. Like he's better than me. Like what if he gets up at 5am and runs three miles before school and you don't mm -hmm. right. like you can't, it's not apples to apples. You can't compare yourself to people that you don't know what they're doing. Know? So call him or DM him or whatever you want to do and find out what he's doing and then do that for a long enough time and now start to compare yourself to them. Yeah. Right. Right. Cause you're going to catch him if you're doing what he's doing, you know, within your, you know, within your capacity. Within your, yeah. Within your capacity. Yeah. But social media is tough because it's an, it's a necessity in, small business because yeah. it's a it's a low cost marketing move that is gonna reach yeah a lot of your local audience right sure yeah um i think it's i think everything's changed in the last couple of years i i do think that people are starting to wise up to what's real and what's not mm -hmm. um you know hopefully it brings us to a to a better place but it's like anything else like you're either um creating or you're consuming Right. If you're just there to consume and somebody else is there to create and you're comparing yourself to them, like you're not going to be happy about it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know. Right. But you have the self-awareness. People don't, no. they don't even no, know no. that's fucking yeah. going on no. right. in their yeah. head. Right. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to I'm going to jump. Like, I think we're going to talk at some point about calibrated mindset, but yeah. I want to bring it mm -hmm. up right now because you just what you just mentioned about routine and schedule. Like I went through a period of time where I was so rigid. Like I lost mm -hmm. the, the joy in my life because mm -hmm. I was on the grind. Mm -hmm. Right. So every day was the same. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, what about my wife? What about my kids? What about me? Like I have a sense of humor. I think shit's funny. Like, why am I not? Like I am just head against the wall. Yeah. Um, so I've, I read a handful of books. There's a bunch of different people that have come out with these, these concepts with these pillars in your life. But instead of trying to balance a day, where you're like, all right, I gotta have time for my kids. I gotta have time for my wife. I gotta have time to read. I gotta have time to go to work. I gotta have, like, okay, there's only 24 hours. Like, it's impossible to balance a day. So going back and sort of drawing on growing up as, as an athlete, um, all of those pillars that made you a good athlete, right? So when I look at Calibrated Mindset, I basically came up with focus, fortitude, family, freedom, and faith. So focus is your mindset and faith is your belief in the universe and God, higher power, whatever's going to kind of keep you spiritually centered. And I put them on the end because those are the guardrails for the rest of your life, right? Like if your mind's not right, you're in trouble. If you're not spiritually aligned with whatever you need, like you're in trouble. So when you start to layer these things into your week and into your month, it puts you in a place where you're not trying for balance, right? Like Focus being mental work, like what kind of books you're reading, what kind of podcasts you're listening, who's around you, like what's going on here. That drives everything else. Fortitude I put in like the, the physical health realm because you have to have fortitude to continue to show up every day. And that's important. And if you start to skip that, you're going to feel it mentally, right? Family is, everybody has a different relationship with family. Um, 
it's about relationships. Who's in your life? Family can be friends. It's not blood. It's just like, who are the, who are the people in your network? Freedom, I have an upside down probably definition of freedom, but freedom to me is duty. And I think it's become glaring the last handful of years that um, people have a misconception about free. freedom isn't just go do whatever you want. Freedom's your responsibility to show up and put into the work to make yourself as sovereign as possible. So freedom gives me the duty to go create a business if that's what I'm called to. Freedom doesn't mean I just get to do whatever I want and be upset when I lose, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then I already touched on faith. So I bring that up because when you talk about how do you balance your day and every day is the same, that's, that's like eating you know, chicken every day. Like it's not, we're not built for that. Right. So I found that by creating this concept and talking to myself through those, it's freed me up from all that. Like, how do I balance things? If I'm touching on all those every week, like I'm good. So it's more about balancing the week than yeah. it is. And that's... And making sure you're doing the things that you said are important. If right. in any one of those buckets, you, not me, yeah. have decided that I do this for my mindset and it works. I tried that and it doesn't. Yeah. I do this physically because we're all different. And yeah, everybody's right. trying to, to go to the phone and be like, I have to do this, 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 isn't it, or I'm not successful. Right. right. Like that's bullshit. So I just use this as a way to like keep myself aligned with all four wheels in the same mm -hmm. direction. Well, and like you know? that same umbrella, I guess we'll, um, I'm going to use that term that you're using for everything in your life. You can use it in a smaller facet, right? Yeah. Like fitness, for instance, sure. right? You can use it for that work, whatever it is. Like think of it in a week. Don't think of it day to day. Right. Like, you know, that's one thing that I try to stress in here about when it comes to fitness stuff, like you got fitness, nutrition, all that kind of stuff goes hand in hand. Right. And the biggest thing I feel like most people struggle with eventually is the nutrition side of things. And it's always like, well, don't think of it. Like if you, if you fuck up one day, it's okay. Right. Yeah. For sure. You got a whole fucking week that you yeah. can balance it out. And that's where for you, you talk about like, okay, yeah, I may not have spent time enough time with my family this day, mm -hmm. but tomorrow I'm going to not do as much reading yeah. for myself. Right. And I'm going to spend more time with my yeah. son and my wife, like it's all, whatever it is. The reason it's called calibrated mindset is because it's a calibration. If you're trying to balance everything, you're going to lose. But like what happens to an instrument over, over time, as you use an instrument, it falls out of calibration mm -hmm. and you go back mm -hmm. and you adjust it. Mm -hmm. So to me, if those are all knobs in your life, right. And you're like, all right, I want my diet to be on point, but now it's Monday night and I'm out with buddies that I haven't seen for six years. And we're going to go to Monday night football and we're going to have, you know, beer and wings. Like I'm gonna have let yourself off the hook and right. get back to it tomorrow. Right. The problem is if we do that on Monday and they're like, oh, fuck it. The week's gone. Yeah. I'll right. start next Monday. Like starting next Monday is like how everybody punts their life away. Mm -hmm. Where if you can kind of take on this different perspective, it frees you up to be okay operating between the guardrails and not fuck it. I might as well just not even right. do this. I can't do this. You can right? do this, like, right? Yeah. You don't have to just be exactly right. Pe people get really black and white or they just get way too lazy yep. with yep. things. Yep. But that's because I'm going to go back to it's hard. Okay. So we map out, you know, these five F's that you have. So focus, mm -hmm. fortitude, family, freedom, faith. Yep. Like if we were all Paul and I were to write this down right now, those five and say, tell me what this means to you. How's that important? That's tough. It's going to be yeah, tough for people. Sure. It, to would just, take, it would take me a minute to think about, yeah. about those things. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and again, to give yourself grace, like what you write down right now, like we're not writing that in stone. Right. right. It's all a testing. Like we were talking before we started about like energy. Mm -hmm. The longer you, you dial in 
to yourself regularly, the more everything starts to, to get clear. Mm -hmm. And we all spend so much time, whether it's in our business and our, like we get stuck in the chaos and we don't, we lose the ability to, to communicate with ourselves. So finding a quiet moment, like literally every day, for me, it's, it's first thing in the morning over a cup of coffee. I have a journal and I write down yesterday's wins. And when I'm done with that, I write down today's gratitude. And I literally do it every day, mm -hmm. like without fail. And what it does, like I've been, I'm in the middle of like a three week stretch that's been pretty tough, like some sickness at, at home, like the kids, all that kind of stuff. Work's been challenging. And if, if we don't talk to ourselves, it's easy to be like, Jesus, when is this going to end? This is awful. This is, and now all of a sudden that talk brings you over here mm -hmm. where if every morning you're like, well, how did I win yesterday? Yep. You actually start to look at the difficulties and thank yourself for them. You're like, holy shit, I'm a badass because mm -hmm. yesterday sucked. Mm -hmm. And I still made time to tuck my kids in and read a book to them right. or vice versa. And then today's gratitude is literally like being thankful. Like we're in America we're we're recording a podcast on a cell phone like what do we have to bitch about <laughs> for sure for we're sure. so out of touch and yeah. so i just find all these things kind of like round into like keeping in touch with yourself so that you know today i wrote this down i thought it was important i went with it for a while you know what i don't give a shit about that mm -hmm. and and being able to pivot right forever yeah the only finish line is is the hole in the ground yeah and yeah. you can adjust whatever you want until you get there you know well and Something you said made me think of when we had uh, had Brooke on, and she talked about one of her athletes came in, and she had been going. Her athlete had been going through, you know, a rough patch. And as a coach, you obviously have to, you know, especially now, you have to be more empathetic than ever, right? As a coach with with especially college athletes, and her athlete came in, and it was a week after they had their first conversation, and she came in and kind of had that mentality yeah. of like, when is this going to end? And Brooke told her, she's like, well, you sound way better than you did last week. And just yeah. that little, you sound better. She was like, right. you're right, Yeah, I do. And like, you know, for for her, it was having Brooke that outside force, but if she had sat, maybe sat down and wrote down like each day, you know, wins from that day, she might've realized it herself right? or whatever yeah. it is. However you have to go about doing it for yourself, but like having something like that where you can write down, you know, the good things that happened the day before and what you're grateful for going into, um, the next day, if you are going through like a lot of struggles, like that's gonna help you because yeah. you're gonna see the little things that you don't see when you're going through that mm -hmm. right bad but situation. How'd you get yourself to this place? Obviously, you didn't wake up one day and go, "Oh, the five F's is something I'm gonna live." Like, did yeah. you have role models reading? Did you go through some stuff and therapy helped you? Like, how did you put yourself in a place where you can have this perspective and organization? Um, I'm gonna be 40 in November, so first of all. I'm, I'm old, <laughs> so I've had a little bit of experience. Um, but it was about 10 years ago, like, like I said, the, the book, The Compound Effect, I go back and read it now and it seems so, so basic. Um, but for me, at that point in my life, it, it was that aha. And literally, like I talk about, like it's been a calibration for 10 years. And so I went up here, like I just started, I'm always reading a book and then I'm always listening to a podcast and then I'm always talking to other, you know, people that are that are winning or doing things I want to do or whatever the case is so over time it just sort of evolved naturally you know mm -hmm. I've done a lot of things in the last 10 years that didn't work for me um and just for whatever reason writing is how I talk to myself and I, I started doing that a handful of years ago and it's just evolved into what it is now have you, you ever know? read the book mindset 
Uh, I have it on my shelf, but I actually haven't read it yet. One of my clients has been telling me, like, I need to read it. And he said yeah. it's a really good read. It's got a lot of good, like, stories, especially, like, sports references, business yeah. references. And he's yeah. it's, like, fixed mindset versus I forget what the other mindset is. But um, everything that he's been telling me about it. Yeah. Like well, you're open-minded or you're closed-minded. Right. Yeah. And it And it talks like when he talks about some of the athletes like like Patrick Ewing like being fixed minded and like everything that he did up until the point when he came to the Knicks like he did it a certain way and he never broke away from that right and that's why he never won a championship he hit a ceiling. whereas where Michael Jordan yep. yes he was stubborn as fuck but yep. like he was willing to adapt and change right. and do certain things like Absolutely. there were certain things that he wasn't willing to change right but there were certain things that he was to to adapt his game like when he came out of retirement and all that kind of stuff and yeah. that's why he won so much for sure and well every year he puts something else into his repertoire right like early on like he's just gonna go dunk on you yeah right he has no mid-range game no. and then over time like all of a sudden holy shit like how no. where did that that's not fair right right that's the best basketball like, player in the world every after every offseason comes back with right. something else to it's beat like you with watching like, lebron right now i'm like you're 37 stop yeah just stop. right yeah Tom right. Brady, stop. But we can all do that in yeah. our lives, and that's why I love sports, and that's why I love, you know, and there's so many parallels between, you know, business, the gym, sports, coaching, like all mm -hmm. that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, it all starts in the same place. It's right there. Yeah. Like, that's literally, that six inches between your ears drives right. everything. But it takes a lot of self-reflection to get there and just being around the right people growing up, which isn't your choice. You're around... Right. Yeah. your family and these people that are that live by sure. you and that's all you can like i'm fortunate growing up around my dad who was just a workhorse like i think yeah. back and like he was a state trooper full-time and had a painting company yep. and still i can't I, I don't think at times now i was like dad wasn't there he was there i mean he had to right. work through some holidays sure. but he got to games he coached us yeah so it's like being around somebody who's working like that yeah and then i started painting for him when i was like 13 years old and yep. he has these college guys who are fucking workhorses yeah i'm like ah this is you gotta keep up this is what you gotta do yeah yeah i gotta listen to them talk about sex and they're drinking at college <laughs> and keep, and keep up. yeah but yeah. in all good fun um yeah Wait, it's like the nature and nurture debate it's yeah like, man and yeah. i think i mean your dad was an entrepreneur he had to figure out every day mm -hmm. um my dad played a lot more defense and it worked like he's good like mm -hmm. you know but his approach to things and my approach to things aren't the same but what he did, like he did show up for me all the time. He was always there. He was always available. We were always talking. Like mm -hmm. it always gave me that honest, um, you know, that honest perspective that when he was no longer in the house, I had to start doing it for myself. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when I was, this is, this is stuff you look back at and people have real challenges in their life, lives that make or break them. And then some of us have stuff that maybe doesn't seem like it is, um, up to par with some of the challenges other people had. But I have a story that when I was in the eighth grade, I was the sixth man on our basketball team, as I should have been. I was, I was a late bloomer. I just wasn't physically gifted. <laughs> and the, the reason the story is relevant is because my, my basketball coach was in my dad's wedding. And we went and played a tournament and the Sunday night championship game, I didn't play at all. They only, we, we played the starters the whole game. We won. In the van ride home, it, this was like before the school bus. I was young enough that we were, I was in the car with my dad. I cried the whole fucking way home. He didn't say a word to me. Um, the next day after school, I'm out shooting hoops in the driveway and he comes out and he's like, it's pretty rough last night, huh? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, you're going to be in high school next year and that's what it is. So like decide right now if you want that to be your career or if you want to do something about it. And he walked back in the house. And he never called, 
his buddy who was my coach, like none of that shit. And literally I can still point back to that pivotal moment in my life as a lesson that was like, oh, you know? And then I went on to have a like pretty good career, moment. but yeah. Like, so when you talk about who you grew up around and all that, yeah, I'm blessed that, that I had those kind of conversations with my father. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I think you see it the other way where some people come from really, really shitty spots and that galvanizes them to go. So I think it's, there's a lot of nuance to it and I don't think it's one way or the other. Like it still comes down to you being able to take whatever you've, you've right. pulled out of your life and doing something with and it, it, you know? And it comes down to circumstance too. Like just because, you know, this person was born into the circumstance that was way tougher than yours doesn't mean that like what you went through and what you're, you were feeling in that moment with right. like your dad and like after that game isn't any less than what right. they went through. Sure. That was the moment of your life that was like, fuck on aha yeah. yeah and like other people have it and it's something maybe yeah. that you couldn't even imagine would have sure. been. and then yeah. other people have it and it's on the other end yeah that, like you were like well that doesn't seem that bad but like in yeah. the, in their mind it was right 100 that's again like the empathy side of things of life but then also just understanding like everybody has that moment in life that's like aha yeah, well, yeah. or hopefully. not or not yeah. or not yeah. Right. That's the that's a tough part about working with kids now is this blend where you need to be empathetic, but you also don't want to make somebody soft and you want yeah. them to be able to I was work just about to problems. ask you that. Like as a coach, how do you like how do you know when to be hard on somebody and when to be like it's okay. It's like, it's what if it's not okay? It's it's building that relationship it with the right. person, so so you really know what they're going through. You know what their family situation right. is like. You know as much as you can about what their state of mind is like. If they have anxiety, if they have depression, if, you need to build that relationship. So then you can either have a tough conversation. Right. Or you know what direction to go. You learn the buttons to push. You learn right. the buttons to push. Right. But yeah. you got to be careful because you don't want to push a wrong button with the kid because you don't want to. You can't unpush it. You right. can't unpush it, and you yeah. don't want to have somebody who you know maybe going through a really tough time at home, mm -hmm. and then you go, "I'm gonna fucking push you today," and they're you know right. you don't yeah. want that. So it's really all about that relationship. It's tough. Well, and I feel yeah. like a lot of that, especially on a day-to-day -day basis, just comes from the time they walk in the door. Yeah. time they walk in the door like the first conversation that i think all of us have with them is like how are you doing how was your day what's going on today mm -hmm. like, that energy. like those yeah. are the and figure out okay can i push those buttons today can i not push and those buttons? and we have just after the initial onboarding which it's a lot before we even talk about exercises and programming we talk about relationships and building rapport sure. yeah. um but we have just as many meetings about hey so-and-so just told me they're going through this at home. This happened. They said this doctor's appointment. We have just as many meetings about going over those yeah. things. So we know people's well, we just state talked, of mind. That's we just huge. talked the other day about one of our kids going through some tough stuff with college. And um, it was just like one of those things. Like he's trying to figure out where he should go, what he should do, all this other stuff. Like he's not getting into the schools he wanted to. And in the grand scheme of things, like having those conversations. And like I just said to Mike, I was like, hey, I had a had a conversation with this kid mm -hmm. and I just want you to know like if you get a chance to talk to him maybe you know figure out where he's yeah, sitting at too huge. so you can understand like where he's coming from because that's a lot of my favorite conversations was is with like the juniors and seniors that are trying to figure out what to do yeah. for college You're because it's like from they're transitioning man, from being a kid mm -hmm. to being like uh, an, an adult, adult. Yeah. and it's like I want to help you cut out the bullshit that you don't need and like right. give you a shortcut. And that's what I try to tell these kids. I'm like, I'm trying to give you a shortcut in any way, shape or form, whether right. it's gym, 
choosing college and yeah. high school, whatever it is. And like, obviously not a shortcut in the sense that like you're cheating the system, but like right. a shortcut and like, you don't have to make the same mistake I did. Yeah. How do you figure it out faster? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's so tough with kids. Like Especially I actually know like, yeah. And, and to your point, like, I think we can all think back. Like you still right now can think about somebody, whether it was a peer or a coach or a teacher that said something to you that you can still draw on right mm -hmm. now. And it affected you either in a good way or a bad way. Mm -hmm. And, and I promise you, most of the things that pop up in your head, they don't remember ever saying to you. Right. So you're in that position where it's like, yeah. that could live with them forever. And you didn't even know, like you just mm -hmm. went, you know, back about your day. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. But that's where we're fortunate in terms of how we run our business is that outside of kids coming here, we have kids from all different schools, yeah. Shem, Boston Spot, Burnhill, Stillwater, Mechanical, and they all come in and work out together. For the majority of them, all of their other workouts are taking place with their school team. Now, these coaches may have bias towards sure. who they want on the team. Yep. They may feel this external pressure for I have to go to these things or I won't make the team. Right. So here's almost become this place where it's like, I could just be myself and get a workout right. and better myself yeah. mm -hmm. without yep. this worry for, am I gonna make the team? What's the coach think of me? Just this like yeah. bullshit adult bias that yeah. exists. Just come do the work. Just come do the work. Yeah. Come work out, come have fun. Right. Yeah. Like, that's it. But these bad coaches that you see are like coaches who aren't self-aware oh, <laughs> and well, haven't done work for themselves. Or it's about them. Right. You know, I had a basketball coach. I don't think he'll ever hear this, so I'll say it. But, like, he was, he was brutal on all of us. And it was like psychologically every kid that plays, played for him mm -hmm. had a story. Like, if you happen to be the one kid on his team that he favored, like, maybe you have a different opinion of him. Right. But, like, 95% of the kids from all generations, like, my dad had an experience with him. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, to your point, how do you be so, um, how do you lack self-awareness? But at some point, it's not even about self-awareness. It's about your ego. Right. And when yes. it's about you on the sideline, like, guess what, dude? No one gives a shit. They're here for the kids. Right. Right? Like, what right. is this about? But youth sports has become not about the kids. Yeah. It's about the adult's ego and yeah. The money, which yeah. I get it. People have businesses, they got to make money, but you can't do it at a detriment to setting the kids up right. for right. success. Well, well, we just saw, um, you know, I, I said earlier I was doing like the speed and agility thing because we have yeah. the time and it's through Lee Taft. And we just saw on Instagram, he was po like blasting AAU, like, and like youth sports. And one of the things that stuck out to me and like bigger than ever is there's been an 8% drop in youth sports. Competitive sports. Participation. Over, over how Participation. What, what kind of period? Um, I don't know what the period is. You'd have to pull it, have have to to pull pull, it up. I'd have to pull it up. But like in the grand scheme, like it was an 8% drop over a certain amount of time, I believe. I don't know if he even specified the amount of time. Right. Yeah. But it's because it's become so monetized. And you're not worried about the kid just going out there and having fun. And yeah. playing the game. And like you got this kid's parents. Like he, one of the things he's like, this kid, he heard it parent talking about spending five thousand dollars to get their family to go to this aau tournament and he's like i'm watching this aau tournament and it's watching cyo rack basically yeah like that's not the kids that should be going and spending right. like if you're not the absolute best in your county or your town or whatever like why are you doing that go play a rec league have fun enjoy it learn right. the movements learn the game and then learn the lessons that yeah, come from the game right. exactly you right know. we were i had a conversation today with one of our pts about like you know, when we grew up, like there was rec CYO, there was travel CYO. There wasn't really AAU. There was some, but not a lot. Yeah. But it was rec CYO, travel CYO, and most kids played rec and a few kids played travel. And right. the travel that you played, you went maybe 30 minutes away. 
Yeah. Maybe. But also, I think, you know, when I was a kid, um, you knew before tryouts who was making the team, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, so yeah. I hear what you're saying, and I think that that definitely plays a part in it. Like, the monetization and everything's organized, and, like, that's, that's a piece of it. And back to co- comparison, like, if I'm not on that team, I'm not going to get to play next year. Mm-hmm. If I don't go to this workout, I'm not going to. Like, there's a lot of truth to that. Right. And then I also think, you know, to touch on how sports is a microcosm of society, the whole, like, participation trophy thing and yep. and everybody deserves to be here. And, like, we're taking the lessons out of sports. Right. Because when all of a sudden you're – 40 years old and you have a business to run like nobody gives a shit like are you going to give them a better experience are you better than your competition right mm-hmm. like i would much rather learn that lesson at 12 years old in the batter's box right. than 40 than 40 when i'm like oh shit i just lost all my entire life savings yeah. on a right. business because like, i thought i, I that, deserved it that eight uh, percent thing was over the last decade yeah. So just in the last That's 10 wild. years, 8% drop in youth children playing competitive sports because, and he says, because it's driven them away due to the broken model of pay to play. Yeah. Well, it's everything. Yeah. I and think I mean, it's... he talks about little things like creating like six week AAU programs instead of like this six month long yeah. AAU right. thing. Like it's a six week break it down division yeah. one, two, three division, certain, right. go, certain divisions go farther. But if you go on six months, you can't even play other sports. That's right. it. That's, and that's what like, he talks about I, is like, it allows doing a six week AAU program would allow them to play a spring sport yeah. as opposed to, Which okay, now huge. they can't. Like, I don't know. When do, when do you specialize? Like, you guys are weighing it more than I am. But when I, I was a kid, there wasn't as much of that. No. And I, we used to go play. Like, there was a hoop down, you know, at the mm-hmm, playground. And right. we would show up every Tuesday and every Friday at right. the same time and beat the hell out of each other. I think up to a certain age, I don't know what the age is, probably somewhere in the middle of high school or late middle school, unstructured play is probably more valuable. You always need to work on skills and techniques. But now you're playing without this adult constraint. Yeah. And now you have to work through problems with your peers. Right. Yeah. Those have you ever seen huge. those teams that just have the synergy that you're just like, yeah, yeah wow. We, we like they on feel the game. Yeah. Our, they, seen, our yeah. senior year baseball team, that's what it was. Yeah. Like, yeah. You could, we could have ran a practice without our coaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and you legit, should. And legitimately could have done it. Yeah. Yeah. But we all grew up going to the uh, town rec together and playing and Little League and in each other's backyards. Yeah. And it got built just as much there as yeah. it did at yeah. practices, maybe even more. Yeah, for sure. And and I got when I got done college, um, I was I played men's league basketball. And I was in Portland, Maine, and so there's a lot of of you know division one, two, and three colleges mm-hmm. around there. Mm-hmm. And so the men's league was really competitive, and it is literally the best time I've ever had playing sports, but especially playing basketball because mm-hmm. like it sorts itself out. Yeah, right. You got nine guys on your team. You got five spots on the court. As the game unfolds, like we're not dumb. We know who should be in the game. We know who should be taking the shot. Right. We know who's hot and who's not. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the feel all just comes from playing with each other over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like nobody can coach that. Right. And if you if you spend all your time in AAU and in organized sports, you never develop that like mm-hmm. you know. And and that feel translates over into the business world. So you could probably relate here. We're out on the coaching floor. It's me, Paul, Dan, and let's say it's Connor. So we're our full staff, all four coaches on the floor. We got a full gym. There's probably not many moments where like, Paul, go coach that. Dan, go do that. Right. We know where to be. Yeah. We yeah. know who we got to be with. Yeah. We know yeah. how to move about the gym. Mm-hmm. Right. But, and how does that translate into everything? Like if you're always waiting to be told... Like, okay, I got the ball at the top of the key. I got to pass it over here. Right. 
like now you bring that out into your life and we all sit around waiting to be told what to do next yeah mm -hmm. you know and I, and i think you know just going back to it like it's all comes back to like what we learned like at least the three of us what we learned through sport right mm -hmm. and, you know it all re relates back to just all of that kind of stuff and the disciplines and how that we subconsciously use it right in our right. business life this is where we'll go there now this is where i think a big piece people got into trouble during covid as they're waiting to be told what to, what do. to do or what they can't or do. what they can do and they can't do and this is where I mean, I've seen numbers were upwards of 30 to 40% of gyms closed during COVID. Yes. And either you had poor structure beforehand and you really didn't have the reserve money beforehand to withstand a couple months like this. Yeah. Um, but it's also people who just folded and didn't know how to keep the train moving during yeah. a fucking really hard time. Right. Yeah. Like a right. really tough time. Like, how were you guys during that when this all hit? Um, so we were fortunate and um, I, hate, I hate to even use their words but um we were deemed essential i remember um, you telling us this i i don't like that because i don't believe that my kid's plate is any more essential than yours so my first like early on i was i was scared because everybody was we i had no idea we didn't what know this, what this no was, idea man. what this was so how i feel about it now and how i felt about it then it's 180 but at the time, I was grateful that like we could keep going. Like all our employees went home, so we would stagger. Like I'd be there in the morning, and then somebody else. You know, we were limited who could be in the store and stuff like that. We we fortunately we had built an online store the year before, so you could actually buy paint. Mm. We put it out the back door. You could come by and get it. So like, our revenue was way down mm -hmm. for the first two months, but then after that, because everybody's strapped at home, like we actually exploded. It probably fast forwarded us like five years in the retail side of things we'd always done well with contractors but retail became aware of, of us because they had nothing to do mm -hmm. so they were painting at home you know doing home projects and That's things what i was like gonna that. say everybody was doing stuff at home yeah home projects yeah. different things yeah. like that so so i'm grateful and for that and you know i also through that period of time like i didn't i never went home i didn't get the two weeks off i got none of that so my perspective was literally out in it the whole time where a lot of people that I, I have challenging conversations with went home for two weeks, one month, two months, six months, two years, whatever it is, like, and they watched it all happen on TV. Mm -hmm. We're not living in the same world. We don't have the same opinions mm -hmm. of how it all mm -hmm. went. And um, I won't go there because that's not, that's not gonna be productive. But what it did for me is it made me realize a couple things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a patriot. Like I love America for what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say like, you know, I look at America like, like us, right? When I was 20, I did some dumb shit that I don't want to relive, but that experience made me who I am now. Mm -hmm. I think we've lost our ability to give America, the country, that same kind of grace where it's like, yeah, we did some fucked up shit. Like nobody's going to argue that. But if we try to just like erase all that, we lose the ability to learn from that and continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I've always looked at America as like, we're free, we're free, we're free. And, and having this like perspective that that's just ingrained in who we are. So when all that went down, I was like, oh shit. Like, are we? Is there an illusion of freedom? Like, how can they tell you that you have to go home? Right. If you decide that you should go home because you've looked at some information, 
and decided it's safer for you to go home or it's safer for you to make this decision back to personal responsibility, cool. And I, and I wish that's how the whole thing was handled from the get-go. Um, but to me, it made me realize like, shit, I, my focus now, even in my business and my personal life is not on like growing this business to have a nice life and all that stuff is cool. But like, I want to be sovereign. I, I want to be healthy so that these things aren't as scary to me. Mm -hmm. I want to be financially cool. So like, I don't have to rely on somebody else. Mm -hmm. I want to be mentally free of like the shack. Like I want to be sovereign. Right. It comes and, down to that fourth pillar. And most people aren't that. And right. this, this experience has really made it glaring to me as to what's actually important. Mm -hmm. And when I said it was a blessing earlier, that's why. Mm -hmm. Because without this like, hey, everybody, you know, this isn't what you thought it was. Like, I don't think we get to work into the position that we're in, right. we're in now. Well, right? and you know? I love the blessing thing because we, you know, I touched on it earlier, but between getting the opportunity to work here with Mike, who I've known for 25 years, basically, mm -hmm. at this point, I also got the opportunity. I have an apartment with my best friend from when I was five years old. Yeah. Who I probably hadn't really hung out with much in three years because of living in New York. Sure. But I have that. I got a great job here. And I have created more connections here than I could ever have imagined. So, yeah. like, you talked about those blessings and being able to, you know, go from how you felt about it at the beginning, 180 now, I think we all kind of have different feelings about how sure. we felt about it at the beginning yeah, and whatnot. But like, I think of myself with uh, one of my roommates I live with in New York. First thing I did was, okay, I'm gonna get my clients all set up with at-home workouts, all the ones that yeah. wanna do it. Sure. All the ones that wanna do at-home workouts, I'm gonna get them set up. He went the route of, I'm gonna make a website and do all this other fancy shit behind yeah. the scenes rather than worry about the people. And I think for That's you guys, huge. you went, I'm going to worry about the people. Yep. I'm going to worry about the people that you work yeah. with and all that. And then yeah. everything else and will fall in line. And families and everything right. else. Right. Everything yeah. else falls in the line. And that's, for me, that's kind of what happened. I did that. I've worried about the people first and the business yeah. part of it yeah. second. Well, and now that's rolled. Like, uh, we live in the supply chain. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but the supply chain is, is Shit. brutal. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like everything else. Um how do you look at it and how do you like what's your choice going to be right like this is hard so i have an excuse like right now you know losers do loser shit mm -hmm. well it is now acceptable to use every excuse you want right can't help you don't right. have it right don't know and everybody's happy with that yeah and i'm like all right you guys are in deep shit mm -hmm. and we're gonna stand on the gas mm -hmm. because the whole time that you're at home telling everybody you can't help them i will yeah. Because to me, it's about leadership, right? Like if I can't help you and you can't help him and he can't help you, who leads? Yeah. Are we all going to go hide and then come out and hope that we all survived whatever's going on? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to say plan A is dead. I'm working on plan B. I already have an idea of what plan C might be. And I'm right. already thinking about plan D because from a business standpoint, all these other business owners and all these other people are in the same boat we are. Right. Like, oh shit. And if you can be the one that takes something off their to-do list and goes and gets it done and they don't have to spend all their time running it around, mm -hmm. like you're their guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so there's huge, massive opportunity to not be, you know, the big box gym, to not be the big box store with a bunch of people that don't, you know, a, mm -hmm. a, an organization with no soul. Right. Like small business and small gyms are still about, to your point, like the people. It's all about the it's people. It's alive, dude. Mm -hmm. that's, like that's these businesses my... are alive. And that's what 
you know, here and I think anybody that gets into fitness industry or coaching industry, like the first thing you need to understand is like, it's about the people, whether you're doing youth sports, which we talked about, you're doing professional sports, college sports, you're coaching at a gym like we are. Yeah, but it's about the people. If well, you're if, if you're if you're running a paint and hardware store, yeah, if people. you're running a hair salon, it's about the people and it's about trust. And right. especially now, it's about trust. Trust. Yeah. And trust results that come from those relationships. Right. Right. If I come to you guys and this is all nice and fancy and I'm actually honestly trying well, to put in the work and, and I'm not getting <laughs> and I'm not getting results. Yeah. Like I, I don't trust you. Right. Right. Where so all of this kind of comes together and and I think that we're in an awesome time where, like, the pretenders are, are going to go mm-hmm. away. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and if we can work through this, and we're getting more at bats. Like, I always, I got a couple of vendors that come and work with us, and I'm always talking about at bats. Just get me in at bat. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in the batter's box to try to smash everything out of the park. Like, if, if I walk into the shop and it's just like, hey, I sell this, and I know you use that. Like, I know you like to drink Coca-Cola, but I, drink, I sell Pepsi. Like, all these things, like, nobody wants to talk to you. But if you just listen to people mm-hmm. and then they tell you what they might need help with, that's your at bat. Right? Yeah. I'm going to focus on that. And if I can solve that one thing, I can get on first, like I'm going to get another at bat. Yeah. And then I'm going to get another at bat. And then pretty soon, like I'm batting cleanup. Yeah. And you know what I mean? It's funny you bring that up because like when I think about my time when I worked in retail, because I, I worked at Reebok and GNC and I did do the whole, I left GNC to, for a you know, better yeah. paying job in retail mm-hmm. to go, or I left Reebok for a better paying job in retail for Staples. And then I was like, fuck that. And went to GNC because that was more down my alley. But like that batter's box that you just talked about, that at bat, like that person will come to me, I want this, okay, X, Y, and Z. I'd ask them like a couple questions and then I'd take them, okay, I'm gonna go over here. Okay, I need this too. Then it's like, get, by developing that relationship, you got, I got, five at bats with that one right. person but if you didn't ask the question and you didn't take them towards what they that they needed to solve the problem they right. wanted and you were just like hey we're having a special i'm like no one gives a shit about your special you know, right. like you have a the, problem you've probably been in the gnc before yeah you know they try to sell you everything in the right. book whereas like when somebody came into gnc for me it was like okay how can how can i help you rather than yeah. like i'm just gonna sell you yeah x exactly. y and z like yeah. how can i help you yep. like with what you actually are coming in here for 100 because then guess what Next month, they come back and they buy the same fucking thing. And then they buy the same thing next month and it comes back every single month. And like, that's that's the one thing I missed about when I worked at GNC up here compared to when I lived in New York. Like, New York was much more corporate. When I was up here, it was much more, I can run my store how it should, how I think it should be run. And if I do the numbers, I do the numbers. Yeah, you take care of people, they get results, you get paid. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not that difficult. No. You know? When you guys opened up, did you know that you wanted to make like, customer experience a priority because I don't think many, you know, I guess people that own, you know, a, a paint store, a hardware store really think about the customer experience or maybe I'm wrong. Cause I, I sensed that right when I came in. Yeah. Um, I can't really speak to how other, like I'm confused a lot of times when I go into places and, and it seems like I'm annoying to them. It's like, mm-hmm. if we're all annoying and we all go away, like you're fucked. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hello hello secret for you the money's in my pocket right now right like, you need my money yeah so um i mean we we're always aware of of that but i think um we'd all had success in our in our previous careers especially when we were uh, and I'll, i won't speak for all the other guys but like i was successful in every 
every spot I was in because I made it about taking care of those people. Mm -hmm. And when it got to the point, like what actually pushed me out is when it got to the point where more often than not, I'm standing in front of a customer and I'm the punching bag because he's having a bad experience and there's not shit I can do about it. That's the worst feeling. I just have to sit there and be like, well, they're telling me and you start, you know, you're a dancing monkey at this point, right? You're just there to entertain them in order to get it to like move along. And as soon as I started to feel that, like that's what kind of opened up my mind to like, you know, I'd be, I'd be on my way home and everybody driving through the intersection, like all these people are doing something different. I don't have to stay. And it just started opening my mind to like other opportunities. But when we started this, like we just knew like that's, that's where we're gonna win. Go anywhere, not even just paint, go to any retail place or restaurant or anywhere that there's a customer experience and tell me how many people are doing it right. Mm-hmm. How often do you leave with a good experience mm-hmm. versus how many horror stories do we have? Right. Like, just do the right thing for people right. and you don't have to really reinvent the wheel. You know? It's very true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's like a priority in what we place in here. Yeah. It's yeah. like customer experience. Yeah, we talk about. Are well, how one. are you different? How else are you different? Right. Right? Planet Fitness has dumbbells and barbells. Right. Right? Cool. 10 bucks a month. And And there is a certain, like... You have to have an ego to start your own business because you have to believe enough in yourself. But early on, like I was always fixated on like, what's the competition doing? What's this doing? Like, what's all like, I was kind of like obsessed with like, this is our business. Mm -hmm. This is ours. This is us come here because we're different and it's us. And like, nobody gives a shit. Mrs. Jones wants blue on her wall. Mm -hmm. She doesn't care about my, like, yeah, there's a connection to small business to a degree, but the average person doesn't care about you and and your story. They care about theirs. Mm -hmm. So if, you try to be the hero in their story, like it ain't gonna jive. Yeah. But if you just kind of support them, you're good. So I would come here to work out right. because you're gonna help me reach my goals. And if I go to Planet Fitness, they're gonna yell at me for dropping dumbbells, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's, like, it's like, you ever read Building a Story Brand? Yeah. That's yep. just, I mean, that's from that. That's what it's it is. Like when, yeah. when you're marketing to people and with people, you're not, I don't know, Star Wars. You're Yoda. You're not, what's the other guy? Yeah. You're not, what's the main guy? Luke Skywalker? You're, you're, you're <laughs> the, I don't know. I don't think yeah, I, we'll use an example. I don't think any of us, don't don't any of us are yeah, Star Wars people. Scotty <laughs> Pippen, Michael Jordan, I Come on. You're the guy. You're not the main character. Yes. They're the you're client. Mr. You're exactly. Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. They're, I read that book that first year. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're Danielson. Yes. yes. You're Mr. Miyagi. You're Mr. Miyagi. Use Karate Kid. Dan Jones is like, what the fuck? You're butchering Star Wars. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dan Jones. But yeah, you're you're the guy. You're not the all-star. Right. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I mean as long as as long as you put that into perspective, like a couple of the questions are like, how much thought do you put into it? Like, I think at the end of the day, if you just do the right things for the person in front of you, right. like they're gonna bring somebody to you. Mm-hmm. One becomes two, becomes four, becomes eight indefinitely. I mean, I know? see that here. Just in you know, I've been here now just over a year, year and a half now. Yeah. Going on a year and a half. Yep. And just in the relationships, I know Mike and Dan have built in their first year of being back, like Mike's first year of being back here and whatnot. And then we had Pat on and just listening to that and then the relationship he built with you, it's just like, yep. it all stems from that. You right. Know? So. And the coolest thing about it is he started it and he had to build relationships mm-hmm. that garnered enough attention and enough revenue to then allow you an opportunity to join. Mm -hmm. So when you ask like, how did I experience the change from corporate to this and how do I look at it? Like to me, I want to be the alternative for everyone. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the alternative just for the customer. 
I want to be the ulti- like that Home Depot employee. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be their alternative too, mm-hmm. because I want us to be able to create a culture where like both sides of the counter are in a better place when they're with us mm-hmm. and they're better for us being there. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, to me, that's how you have a, a bigger impact. It's not just about you know cans of paint and dollars right. and cents. Well, like, and I was just gonna say that, like, if I was a uh, 18, 19, 20 year old right now, and I was working for Home Depot, as I think about, it, I was like, I'm selling fucking paint, yeah. this anything. Right. Whereas if I'm going and I'm working for a small business or your guys' business or whatever, it's like you care more. Yeah. Because you see what you're putting in, yeah. what Mike's putting in, sure. and everything, and it's like. You see all the little things and you're like, fuck, dude. Like, yeah, dude. I actually want to give a shit about yeah. this place. Whereas well, like at Home Depot, you're like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Well, the corporate because, comes in and I and yeah. they talk shit to me. Because he cares about you. Yeah. Right. So if if like we have kids that work for I say kids like early twenties, like we got a couple of rock stars on our team and it's like I always think about it this way. If if he's a and no disrespect to any of these businesses, whatever, but like home you go get a job at Home Depot, you go get a job at Panera Bread, like your boss has somebody up their ass. Mm-hmm. So they're worried about their reports. Did they do this? Did they do that? So they're so focused on like themselves mm-hmm. and looking over their own shoulder that they're they're not present for you. None of us are able to be okay for anybody else until we're okay for ourselves. And so that dynamic just sets you up to fail as a leader and it's going to give everybody underneath you a bad experience Mm -hmm. where with us like we're figuring this out as we go you've got a certain mindset to be in business so Mm -hmm. like you're developing relationships and helping install mindset and culture and all these other things into the people and then they're going to take over your business for you like they're going to do the right things without the checklist and the training manuals and all that because you cared about them and who how they show up right you know yeah i like to say there'd be a day that mike's you know able to not be here 14 hours a day but i don't know if that'll ever happen well he might not want to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I, yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's part that's part of what i've talked about before but yeah, he's still here is, right now yeah. listen this is fun though this isn't work man we're chilling but yeah. so i'm lucky a lot of this like it doesn't feel like work to me right and i mean i talked about building capacity before like i think in sports is where a lot of my work ethic started to develop but then painting for my dad's painting company like yeah. you got some long ass days in the summer and you're prepping a house and it's yeah. hot like you do that for 10 12 hours and you come in here and coach for 10 hours like oh, i'm hanging out this yeah. isn't yeah. work this isn't exactly. work right now yeah that was this like when I, I worked with my dad at the at his shop i mean not nearly as much as like you did with your dad but still like you know changing tires on cars oil changes left yeah. and right like i'm 14 13 years old i'm not yeah. even supposed to legally be working yet but i'm yeah. like i wanted to make some money sure and i you know i had an opportunity with my dad so that's what i did and it's just like you you learn those things at such a young age and it, it does make a big difference as you get as you get older you know mm-hmm. i'm seeing those at a young age yeah i think i think that's important um i think for sure that's important yeah, i think a lot of kids miss out on that now too yeah whether through just say like we said how their coaches are not going in manual labor is huge i don't, don't want to yeah. be that guy no. but like well, you learn a lot from it well and that's where all this like a lot of small business like a lot of like the fabric of America that everybody talks about was that, you know, like my dad ran a bowling alley when I was a kid. Like he made me, my job was to take a bucket of Zep cleaner, which is like probably not even legal anymore. And I would have to go out back and clean the machines. Like all the dust on, you've never been in the back of a bowling uh, alley, but I, I it's have, like, but it's fucking, yeah. It's, yeah. And I would spend all day just sounds wiping a machine. Doesn't sound like a fun like, time. You know, when I wasn't sleeping because he wasn't paying attention, I was cleaning these machines. <laughs> and it's just like all of these things that suck are are 
good for us. Yeah. And that lasts forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think there's a lot to, to be gained from that. And it's too bad if kids are missing missing that these days because um, a lot of those small businesses are not as available. They've been replaced by bigger jobs. You know, like parents are outsourcing. Go to Panera Bread. Go to, you know, like let somebody else, you know, give those kids those experience. I just don't think they're getting the same one we did. Yeah. yeah. For sure, in a lot of different ways. Like they're not getting the same experience, yeah. but like when it comes to like that, sound old. that grind. I, it, you know, it's funny because I was just thinking that in my head. I'm like, I sound like <laughs> back my, when I was a kid. I sound like my fucking. Back uh, in, uh, can we when I, when edit I walk, all of this out? When, this I walk ten, when I walk ten miles uphill both ways. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I mean, it's funny because you think back to like when our parents used to say shit, and now you think about it, and you're like, damn. Like, but I feel like it's so between technology and everything else now like it's even more so than like when we grew up like placed it like yeah we had nintendo and like playstation yeah. first started coming out but now it's like you oh, got the, the fucking, fucking metaverse the fucking like, oculus scares the shit out of me. first of all i'll never get an oculus because i'll break something i want none of any of that me neither yeah. bro like what go back to people like so i'm gonna wear these goggles so i don't have to go outside and then i'm gonna take them off just long enough to order my food that's gonna show up at my door like what are we doing oh. yeah and all of these things, like, again, not to sound old, but, like, look at society. And we're in a place where, like, up is down and left is right. And, like, like from the most basic, like, fact to whatever, it's all crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it's rooted in, in these types of experience where we've just lost touch with, like, the shit that matters, well, dude. Like you, you know? And, like, I think part of it comes down to what you touched on earlier. Like, when you're on social media, are you the scroller? Yeah. Or are you the creator? Right. Are you on there? Are you on there to like make a difference or put something out there for somebody to see? Or are you on there just looking at what everybody else yeah. is doing? And I was going to say this earlier and it just came back to me was like, I remember, and I've said this, like, I think a couple times in the gym, I was listening to a podcast and this guy was talking about how we need to embrace social media and it's, and we need to embrace it with our youth and give them something productive to do with it. Right. Don't tell them like don't get on it, right? Because they're it's gonna they're gonna fucking get on right. it. Like it's gonna happen. But then you could be like, but you could be like, okay, you want you really like like my niece, for instance, really loves fucking like Broadway and stuff like that. And she's not really on social media, so she's not really the best example. Yep. But like, if she was, I'd be like, okay, why don't you start creating dance videos or sure, creating, right. you know showing your voice off or whatever to do it something productive right. for yeah. her like and when, when you are scrolling what are you scrolling through have you cultivated it yeah all the, circling back it to does energy it like, does cultivate are you watching bullshit right yeah or are you feeding your mind like the right messages from the right, right. mentors like i like, think doesn't doesn't china they control tiktok where like kids under a certain age can only see like math or science yeah. or history, which is, I mean, yeah. it's fucking just crazy and as yeah. it is, but if right. you can use it for good things, sure. I'm not saying China's doing good things, but you can use it for good things. Versus distractions. Versus mm -hmm. distractions. Yeah. yeah. But and, that, and I think that's where too many times, and I think, again, it comes back to what you talked about with like parents sending kids to Panera to learn those lessons or that corporate store or that other job to learn those lessons. It comes down to like parents sitting down and being like, rather than you just sitting there like this, yeah. like, why are you on your phone? Well, actually, I'm on my phone well, cause the because I'm on their phone because you were on your phone or maybe they <laughs> go, maybe the kid comes back with it and goes, I'm actually on my phone because I'm right, making a post right now about X, Y and Z. Yeah. And like if I had a kid at that and they were to come at me with that, I'd be like, 
Yeah. Let me step back. Yeah. Let me let me do your thing. Right. And, and your I, kid will do that if you set the example. Yeah. Like that's really what all this conversation is that we're talking about. Like if you're a coach, if you're a parent, if you're a business leader, like any of those things, like don't overcomplicate it. Just set the example Leave for your example. kids, for your people, because like that that's what they're gonna see. That's how they're gonna behave, you know. But again, unfortunately, um, a lot of people are distracted, a lot of people are lost, a lot of people aren't having those conversations with themselves. And so they're not showing up the way that they probably want to. Right. Know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So working for my dad growing up, like we were only allowed, still only allowed to use Ben Moore. That was it, man. That yeah. was the only fucking product. That's fine. Purdy brushes. Yeah. <laughs> ben Moore. Yep. That was that. that I almost wore my Serenian Sun shirt today. <laughs> <laughs> I almost did. But then it was a little tight. So I was like, I don't, I don't, don't want to be that guy. Yeah, I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. I didn't want to wear an extra medium. Yeah. That's, that's fine. That's, that's what we go with. But like talking to that front, like what makes that product different than a, than a Sherwin Williams or other products? Um, well, I think there's it's there's two parts to this answer. The first one is the product in the can. Like Ben Moore is not a publicly traded company, so they are focused on creating the best product, not necessarily the most profitable one. Where all these other public companies, like if they take a nickel worth of value out of every can they get to keep it for their shareholders. Like, I think this is my personal opinion. Somebody may disagree with me, but I think that affects research and development and give a shit about the quality of the product. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece that I appreciate, and I know it's a huge challenge for them, is that Benmore paint is only sold through independent dealerships. So if, you, if you're buying a can of Benjamin Moore paint, if it's at an Ace Hardware, a family owns that Ace Hardware. If it's at a Colorize, a family owns that Colorize. So now, like the challenge, for Ben Moore is their brand is in everybody's hands. You know, I like to think they put it in our hands and we're good stewards of that and we're, and we're doing right by them and we're selling a shitload of paint for them. But if they put it in someone's hand who doesn't give a shit about the customer is not carrying that banner the right way, like they're kind of susceptible to people having a bad experience with that name. So um, the fact that like you have to be a massive company to make paint, right? It's an expensive endeavor, you know, resourcing the materials, all that stuff. So you can't have, like, you can't be a small business and be in that game. So the way that Benjamin Moore sells through small businesses just allows them to connect to the customer and to the painter in a, in a, in my opinion, in a more natural way, because they're not a $16 billion corporation right. that doesn't understand the fact that you can't pay your bill right now. Cause we're looking at the same snowbank mm -hmm. where like we have the same challenges as all of our customers. So when we have conversations, instead of sitting across the table and like fighting it out, we slide the chair around and we sit next to them and say like, all right, how do we get through this? so that we can partner in our businesses as opposed to you just being Not doing a negotiation, you want to be a partner. Yeah, right. I don't want customers, I want partners. Right, I like it. Yeah, yeah. That, that, uh, it, it is exactly probably why you guys are so successful. Like, yeah. And why they've been successful though is because they, they're almost like a, I mean obviously they're bigger than a small business, but sure. they're like a, a small business in the big business section yeah, right. kind of because yeah. they're, they're doing a lot of small business things in, a, in an area where it's very fucking tough yeah. to do that yeah like they obviously give a shit about you guys sure and like other people that they give to and like when he brought up like ace hardware the first thing i thought of was fucking chatham ace hardware yeah family like, owned but that was company. family owned yeah. like it was family owned and like they had all that shit and it was like i think back on that and i was like that makes fucking sense yeah. like mm -hmm. they have to give a shit and, and they if they give a shit. if they 
a lot of those businesses become lifestyle businesses. So they get to a point where they don't have to give a shit as much. Right. And then you start to watch, like you go into those markets and that's why they struggle. That's why the corp, if the corporations can beat you, it's because you're not exploiting the fact that you can care more than they do. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, that's, that's my observation of other dealers in the marketplace. If yeah. you just care, like you, we have an advantage because yeah. we are connected to the community in ways these corporations are not. Yeah. You know? yeah. That makes Absolutely. Sense. It's yeah. like the gym sense, like the, higher quality, higher price point gyms and services, they're gonna stay and keep rolling. Mm -hmm. And then you have the bottom, the lower price point mm -hmm. gyms are gonna stay too. And it's the middle that doesn't give a good service and is yep. that middle price that is gonna get, I yeah. think over time, then COVID's well, pushing. Well, I was having a conversation with one of my best friends over the weekend. Uh, we were out to breakfast and we were talking about gyms and he was saying like, you know, I don't wanna spend X amount on a gym unless I'm getting like this experience. And I was like, dude, I completely understand it. And I was like, but I'm I'm willing to spend that much if I'm going to get that. And like, you know, obviously everybody's got a different sure. different financial status yeah. and whatnot. And I was like, I'm willing to spend a hundred dollars on a gym if I know what I'm going to get at an experience. Yeah. But I'm not going to spend. I won't spend ten dollars on a fucking gym if I if you're think not. it's going to get shitty yeah, experience. Right. Like I, you know, I don't like to keep bringing up like Planet Fitness. So here I'll bring up Retro Fitness. <laughs> retro Fitness in Pittsfield, right? When I first started there, was a great gym but they never invested in the gym or the people in the fucking gym. Yeah. And then COVID hit and they got fucked. And then they're lit they literally closed nine days ago. For good. For good, yeah. closed for good. Yeah. And they weren't getting the members because they weren't putting back into the gym what the members were putting into the gym. Yeah, Like, right. I think about like the culture that was there when I worked there and it was amazing. But the gym itself was like, it was decent. Yeah. But the culture was great and it wasn't because of the owners there the owners were never fucking i couldn't even tell you what the owners look like yeah right and it's all about that like you gotta if people are putting into the business you gotta put into yeah, the people right and you gotta understand what kind of value your customer mm -hmm. is looking for right because we all have a different you know value exchange right like you said you, you want to spend 100 bucks maybe i don't maybe i can't like yeah we're all going to do the math in our heads to decide is this experience worth it for me right, right. and if if you lose touch with that you're susceptible to mm -hmm. to going away yeah. yeah you know yeah that's real that's real yeah we've touched on a lot here um what role does like fitness play for you in your life i know you know we talked about it with like your five f's and, and yeah. with calibrated mindset but um i'm a better person when it's a part of my life you know um i think because i grew up an athlete like no matter how long your school day was, no matter how many tests you had, like you got practice at three o'clock. Always, always. Like put your cleats on and go. Like nobody cares. Lace them up. Yeah, and so um, if I go too many days in a row without sweating, like I'm just not a good person. So, you know, I think there's a lot to be gained in those trials and tribulations, whether you're in a group class pushing yourself against other people or you're, you know, in your garage at home just, you know, lifting weights at five o'clock mm -hmm. in the morning. Like you're having conversations with yourself that are forging you into somebody else completely. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just physical. It's mm -hmm. just a, a bonus. It is. It, it's definitely, I think for me even now more than ever, it's more mental yeah. than physical. Going through tearing my Achilles, like the fact that, you know, Mike hooked me up with um, a guy he worked with, Tony Gentlecore, shout out Tony. Um, he did a workshop with us, but he, it hooked me up with him and then I started following his Instagram and three days post-surgery I was up doing workouts yeah that's awesome because I saw what he was able to do three days and I was like you know what if he can do it I'm like he's fucking 10 years older than me I'm like why yeah, can't I for sure and, and so I just started doing stuff and 
I feel like the fact that I did that, one, it helped me stay mentally sane throughout it because it was my right foot. I couldn't drive anywhere. I was losing my fucking shit. <laughs> That's I, awful. It was, it was worse than COVID quarantine yeah. because at least in COVID quarantine, I could walk somewhere. I could drive somewhere. I could go do, I, I couldn't go anywhere without somebody else yeah, because I physically couldn't walk. Yeah. Right. So it was worse than that for me. But the fact that like I had, I could work out at home. I came in here at least once a week because yeah. that helped me keep me sane, seeing all the people in here coming in and getting a good workout. And like, it was more, it's become more of a mental thing for me than it is even physical. The physical side is the secondary for me. Yeah. The mental side of it is like, when I get a workout in at our 12 o'clock hour, I know, okay, I'm gonna come in from two to fucking eight or two to seven or two to six, whatever we got the day is, and I'm gonna be able to fucking be an all-star that, yeah, that exactly. those, those hours. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it too, like, what do they say? When you, when you have your health, you want everything. When you mm -hmm. don't, you want one thing, right. right? So when you're laid up, like the only thing you can think about is the fact you can't do anything. So if you put it on a longer timeline and you realize like there will come a time in your life when you're 70 years old and you can't get around without help. Mm -hmm. Like if, if I can take care of myself from now until then, maybe that doesn't hit me till I'm 80 and I get 10 more years of quality life. Mm -hmm. Like having that kind of perspective, um, I think is important. And I think it's, it's the easiest thing to stop doing for yourself because like, it sucks a lot of times. Like when you're actually in the workout, it's fucking not it's fun. Not fun. <laughs> the feeling you get after is, is the best feeling you're going to have all day. But I just, I think it's the easiest thing not to do. And, you know, I don't ever want to be the person that's like wealthy and out of shape yeah. right. or like ripped and broke. Right. Like I want all of it. And, yeah. and I think we're, the messaging that's thrown at us is like, it's okay to not like you're an asshole if you're this or that, or you're driven or like, right. No, like that's wrong. Like we're put here to win. Like we're wired to, to win and to progress and to be better. And to me, fitness is a, is a part of that. Like mm -hmm. it all ties together. I agree. Well, yeah. well it, it, it's like with your calibrated mindset, it's like, what are all these pieces that are important to me? Right. And you have your physical health and you have your spirituality and you have your emotional health and you have your relationships. All these things are so important and it's right. tough to keep them all ebbing and flowing yeah. together. It's like hurting cats. That's it. It's been in place. You know? It's hurting cats. And... It, 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 is Link a cat guy? Is that what we just figured out? Are you a cat um, guy? I, not ex I'm a dog guy, so okay. I'm like sure. everybody else. So, so I have two cats, and it's because so he's like Dan Jones. <laughs> well, when Kara, when Kara and I met, and then we got an apartment, like she wanted a cat, and I was at a point in the relationship where I'm just saying yes to everything. Yeah. So now we have two cats and a dog, and at least you have a dog though. Two so. kids, and now you know, it's now it's all out of control. Dan, Dan started out with a dog, and then one day he became a cat dad, and we all yeah. gave, we gave him shit for probably like a month. Yeah, I don't least. dislike my cats, but like you like your dog better. Yeah, well, I mean because she likes me but those cats don't give two shits about no. me you know what i mean yeah i've been watching that fucking thing fly around <laughs> did you mr miyagi that i think i, I think just you just it. did oh my gosh yeah. i'm gonna be on video too <laughs> no man no but the, the love from a dog is is the fucking best but uh yeah like let the people know where they can find you at and 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 read more of your stuff yeah and, sure and check you out um on instagram i have i have two accounts i'm at link bigelow l-i-n-c b-i-g-e-l-o-w and then uh, I have a page at Calibrated Mindset um, where I just kind of talk shit. And uh, I also have a website, calibratedmindset.com, that is kind of just holding space there. There's a little bit on there, but I have some ideas and stuff in the future that if uh, I ever get some time and support, I may kind of build that out. But, but for now, it's just a place for me, really for me, to 
to talk to myself and to keep myself going in the right direction. Yeah, well, I, I enjoy from the outside watching you talk to yourself, yeah. reading, yeah. Your, reading I, your shit talking. For yeah. sure, for sure. And, and I appreciate you coming on tonight and doing some shit talking. I, and I, yeah. I, I learned a lot tonight and just in general, like like you said, looking at your shit and your shit talking, is it's helps us. So. Yeah, good. I'm glad. And, know, uh, keep it up. Yeah, it's cool. When you reached out to me, it's like, you know, a lot of times you put this stuff out over a period of time and you're like, what am I doing? Does this even matter? And then, you know, when you call for an opportunity like this, it's like, all right, like, that's cool. Opportunities will come from anything that we keep pouring ourselves into. So, and like you said, if it's the right thing, opportunities will come. Yeah, exactly. You know? So thank you guys for having me. No problem. Cool. No, appreciate and, you coming uh, on. Appreciate anytime it. you want to have me back, just give me a shout. For yeah, sure. We Absolutely. Will. Cool. Appreciate it. Catch everybody next time. Thank you. Woo! Thank Holy you, sir. Holy smokes.